What's up everybody? Thanks for pushing play. This is Chris Norris. Welcome to the Cognitive Fitness Coach Podcast. Here we're dedicated to boosting our mental and physical wellness through the power of meditation, breath work, mindfulness, exercise, nature, and other proven practices. Join us every two weeks as we explore a new technique and approach to cultivate a healthier, more energetic, and more fulfilling life. Get ready to challenge your mind, invigorate your body, and tap into your inner power with relatable insights, inspiring stories, meditations, and practical tips. Let's start your journey toward a fitter and more vibrant you. Let's find the best version of ourselves. All right, welcome everybody. Thanks again for pushing play on the Cognitive Fitness Coach podcast. Um, I'm here today with Dr. Seth Hickerson, my steady mind founder, philosopher, speaker, presenter, veteran, and emotional intelligence Jedi. Seth has a wealth of experience from his military service, sports endeavors, and entrepreneurial ventures. And Seth, along the way, has discovered some keys to rising stronger from our setbacks. I'm stoked he's here today. Uh, Seth's passion for empowering others to take control of their lives shines through in his philosophical wisdom, captivating speaking, and compelling presentations. Uh, we're going to dive deep into the art of mind mastery and illuminate a pathway towards enhancing our self-awareness, resilience, and maintaining a steady mindset in the face of adversity. So welcome, Seth. How are you, man? I want, now, now I want everybody to lower their expectations. <laughs> yeah. You know, you get that glowing bio. It's like, oh my gosh. And now everybody just, okay, let's just, let's bring it down and let's just lower our expectations. <laughs> Glad to be here. It's always good to chat and talk with you. So, looking forward to chatting, man. Helping your listeners yeah. out. Yeah, for sure. I, I really appreciate you taking time um, out of your your super busy schedule. I know it's like uh, six p.m. You just got done with work. You know, you got uh, you don't have the kids tonight, but I know you're 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 a boy dad of three. So, like that alone is like like full time occupation. So you're uh, yeah, you're a busy man. So thanks oh, for yeah, taking for sure. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, hey, tell us a little bit about your background. Like, uh, where does uh, Dr. Seth come from and, and where'd you grow up? And and uh, we'll go from mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Um, so originally, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a gypsy. You know, I've lived all over the, the world and stuff between military and all that. But my original kind of background, I'm from southern Indiana, a little small town called Bedford, Indiana. Um, you know, district small, typical Midwestern town, you know, one of those places, I always say a great place to be from, but maybe not to go back to, but, um, yeah, I lived there, grew up uh, until I was 14 there and then moved down to hot springs, Arkansas, um, finished up high school down there, but, uh, really story, you know, I was an athlete growing up, um, uh, football, basketball, baseball player. And I tell everybody, you know, I was a really good athlete growing up, but I was kind of a shithead kid, you know, I, uh, just kind of my priorities were just playing sports and then partying and drinking beer and chasing women. And that's kind of what high school was for me, you know, and my whole plan in life was to go play college and pro baseball. That was my, my best sport. And, and I was a good enough athlete, you know, that I, I could have done it. Um, but long story short, I basically had some scholarship opportunities, but I drank myself out of it, you know? Um, so ended up, yeah. <laughs> So the baseball dream didn't come to a realization. And so I ended up graduating high school with, you know, a 2.0 and a drinking problem and no plan B, 
you know, oh, wow. um, and yeah, you know, and that, that's where a lot of people wind up, you know, I was just kind of lost, you know, no real direction, mad at the world, you know, you know, lost all my, you know, the biggest thing that had happened was, and what I wasn't prepared for and what we don't teach kids in school is I lost my identity, you know? And, and that identity loss is a, is a traumatic experience. And, and so I fell into a real deep, dark depression, you know, for about a year and just drinking and, you know, just not in a good spot. But after, you know, about a year of that kind of pity party, I decided to kind of, you know, get my head out of my ass and do something. And so that's when I joined the Navy. Nice. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a and, similar path, man. I, I didn't, I didn't uh, do sports or anything like that. Like I just, like I drank a lot though. <laughs> I, drank a I just partied. I didn't do the whole sports thing or anything. Like I didn't have any uh, scholarship no. hope or anything, but I just partied my ass off until, uh, yeah. yeah so I got desperate enough to, uh, join the Navy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens. That, that's probably where most sailors are born from, right? Like coming from, uh, you know, partying too much in school and missing out on opportunities and like, well, I guess I can just carry this party on all over the world now. And, you know, that, that's what happened. Like, I loved the military and I loved my time and I'm sure we'll talk about it. But, you know, I joined the military and I, my first duty station was Tokyo, Japan, you know, so I, I lived in Tokyo for three years at age 19. And you talk about partying, you know, I thought I knew how to party in high school. When I moved to Tokyo, it was a, a you know, that military drinking is a whole different level, you know, um, especially Navy overseas drinking. And especially Navy CB drinking overseas, you know, so um, I was able to get a lot of done, loved my time in the surface and, you know, that that time in Tokyo and lived in Spain. A lot of that, you know, ended up being part of what shaped my philosophy and, and what I teach and stuff at My Steady Mind. But, um, yeah, I loved, loved the time in the military. What I, what I, you know, I don't remember the 90s were kind of fuzzy, you know, 1990, which was my freshman year of high school until 1999 when I got out of the military. Um, that was a fun decade. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome, man. I, we were actually, so that's like our, one of our small world moments is we were actually in the same unit uh, at different times, but uh, you mentioned yeah. being with CBs, which CB is, uh, like Charlie Bravo CB or construction battalion. Yeah. The Navy CB is the construction force of the Navy. And yeah, you're right. They, uh, they work hard and I think, but I think they party harder, uh, harder, hardier. I almost said, but harder. Hard, both. Yeah. Harder and hardier. Yeah. They, you know, <laughs> they, they, they get at, you know, so yeah, I was within MCB 40, um, out of Southern California, you know, and deployed, you know, to Spain and Guam and, you know, some other, not so fun places, but yeah, it, it's a whole different level, you know, a whole different ball game. And, you know, you, you learn a lot in the military, which I get, I, I love it. Love my time fortunate and surprised that I made it out honorably, um, you know, but, but was able to thank God. Um, yeah. And then, cool. and, and, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, so you, it, you're, it's also unique that you, so you had, you did two branches of service. So you did get out of the Navy in 1999 yeah. and, then, and then what happened from yeah. there? You went to school or something? Or? Uh, well, the first thing I did when I got out of the Navy is went straight to rehab. That was my first stop, <laughs> you know, so okay. you know, I got out of the, yeah, I got out of the Navy, uh, 20, I think I was 24, 25. I did five years active duty. And again, came out of the military and I mean, I did, I was drinking, you know, I was a professional drinker. I could drink a case a day, 
you know, um, wasn't really getting arrested or getting in trouble, but just, you know, was just drinking all the time, every day, all day. And, and, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, feeling good. And it was kind of that getting sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, thing. And so I, I, uh, uh, voluntarily decided to go to rehab, um, did 28 days, you know, with a, you had to be an honorably discharged veteran. And it was one of the best decisions that ever made in my life. And I'm a big advocate and supporter of people out there to seek treatment, go to rehab. If you have problems, you know, there's, there's no shame in it. It's almost kind of cool and trendy nowadays, but yeah, did that, um, and kind of dry it up and, you know, put the plug in the jug as they say. And then, then I was like, all right, now let me try this college thing, you know? Um, and, and, you know, I went back to school, did my undergrad, then went to grad school. And when I was in grad school, um, I was missing the military and was, uh, when you're in the military, you know, most military folks out there know that when you're in, everybody's always kind of jealous of the air force, you know, you get in and you see their bases and you see how they do things and your, their quality of life, you know, and you're like, man, those damn air force people. So I joined the Air Force in grad school. Um, so I'm a two-branch military veteran. So, yeah, um, to the awesome. Air Force for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, too. I, I did my last push uh, in my Navy career. I was on an Air Force base, and I was like, man. <laughs> and I also was at the Air Force when I taught at um, NCTC, Naval Construction Training Center in Port Wyoming. They they class up with the Air oh. Force. Like man, like they, 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 it was the Air Force money that uh, we re uh, rehab the barracks with, and like, dude, they had like flat yeah. screen TVs and like wood flooring. Oh, yeah. Everyone had their yeah. own washing machine. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I know. That's what they. That's what they say about Air Force bases. You know, when they're building an Air Force base, the first thing they build is the golf course, and then they build the barracks, you know, they put all their money in the golf course and the barracks and make it nice. And then it's like making operational facilities now, but let's get the, let's get the golf courses and the barracks, you know, tip top and, and the chow hall. And, you know, those are the last things to be built on any other bases if they're built. So. Yeah. We, but, we, yeah, sound, they, like, we sound like recruiters for the air force right now. People are like, Oh, that sounds pretty good. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, build, well, they yeah. build the golf course first and then they just build stuff around it. And maybe they'll have jets. Maybe they won't. We don't know. <laughs> but, definitely going to have a golf course. <laughs> but here's the catch with Air Force. You know where you're going to be stationed? Like Bismarck, North Dakota. <laughs> you're going to have a beautiful base in Bismarck, North Dakota. You know, if you join the Navy, you're going to be in Tokyo and in Spain and in California. And so, you know, true. pros and cons. But yeah, and the Air Force sends their officers downrange when the where they enlisted stay in the rear with the gear, where it's like it's it's the opposite of the army or something, where they send it all the enlisted downrange and the officers stay in the hooch back in the rear. Uh, well, I pro- I'm sure we've offended enough people with this uh, conversation so far about the Air Force and North Dakota and officers, but. <laughs> Um, tell, I, I want to find out too, like, where did you go to rehab? Was it in San Diego or was it in Norfolk? No, it was back in Indiana. You know, I, I made oh, it. So okay. when I got there, I was still living in Wyneme, Port Wyneme, okay. and I kind of a cross country trek trying to make my way back to Indiana, you know, and it was just about a two or three month long party from California to Indiana. Then when I got to Indiana, um, I was talking to my sister and telling her I wanted to go to rehab and we kind of did some research and there was a, uh, facility that was on a base up in northern Indiana. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I went. Nice. I thought maybe we were going to be alumni. I've been to rehab twice. That was my first stint. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, the first one 
uh, yeah, open Indiana. So yeah. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't take. I'm a, I'm a three time guy. I went twice before the Navy, and I went once in the Navy. And uh, okay, yeah. Thankfully, yeah. I've been sober ever since. So yeah, come on. Yeah, I tell people it takes what it takes. You know, I had ten years yeah. of sobriety first, and then you know some life events happened, and some things happened. You know that. You know, um, you know, we lost a kid and some stuff happened that I just kind of went back to drinking and I binged for about four years, still working, you know, and carrying on, but just, uh, you know, did that. And then I was like, all right, I, I don't need 28 days, but I think I might need some kind of in treatment for, you know, 10 days. And so I went again, and that was about 10 years ago now. So, okay, you know, right on, man. Cool. 10 years over on four years of binging and now I'm eight or nine years into, you know, another run. And yeah, I think I'm pretty much done with the alcohol at this point. You know, so. Good. Yeah. I hope so, man. It sounds like, uh, mm-hmm. it, sounds like it worked out very good for you or I, like I said, we're just one of those people that like we can't successfully drink. I don't think we ever did. And well, I don't think we ever uh, I, 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 Here's park and overdrive. That's it. So, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Full throttle or no throttle. Like that's, those are that's the right. options. <laughs> drinking two beers never made sense to me ever in my life even when i was 14 i was like who drinks two beers like you drink you get hammered let's go so <laughs> right on man um sorry to hear that you lost a, a kid i I've, I've known you for a bit and that's the part of you i i didn't know about man i don't i'm like uh, my heart goes out to yeah. you i couldn't even imagine like i have two kids yeah, yeah it was tough you know tough um and, you know, it's just, you know, a little life, those things. And I've been, I've lost, you know, both my parents, you know, I've dealt with, you know, lost my mom at 25, my dad at 35, you know, and so I've had a lot of, you know, trauma and things in my life go down, you know, on top of anything in the military and all that. And so, I mean, that's a big part of what, you know, I talk about, you know, and what my steady mind is, you know, I, my steady mind, you know, is a program that's a collection of all the stuff I've used to try to keep myself happy, healthy, sober, insane. Right. And I tell a lot of people, like, I didn't create my mind to fix other people. I created it to fix me, but if it works for me, it works for other people because I'm not unique. You know, all of us have our shared, you know, our traumas and our things that we've gone through. And, but there's just, you know, there's, there's a lot of things out there. People try that don't work. And so that was why I wanted to start the business. So. Yeah, for Uh sure. And so I mean, we can get deeper into that uh, in a bit, but so you got out of the Air Force eventually too, right? And then where did you where did you land after the military? Because I, I I think I think there's always interesting stories like of how people got in, but also like what was it like getting out? Because you talked about like lost identity and and you know transition. And oh yeah, they got out of the uh, Air Force yeah. as well. Where where, where did you? Oh so, yeah, I got out of you land. Yeah. I'll- I'll kind of walk you through, you know, getting out of the the Navy and kind of where I went and how I wound up to kind of what, what I'm doing right now with my steady mind. But, you know, got out of the Navy, like I said, did the little stint in rehab, kind of got my stuff together, went back to college, did my undergrad in Indiana State, got turned on to sports psychology uh, in Indiana State. Then I went to the University of Tennessee to do my master's there in sports psychology. And when I was at UT is when I got uh, in back into the Air Force. And so while I was at UT for the two years there doing my master's, I was active duty Air Force. And my plan, I was going to get commissioned after grad school and go to flight school. But after, um, uh, as I was finishing my master's, I got offered a really good job at the University of Richmond 
to come uh, open up their big campus rec center and oversee fitness and wellness for faculty and staff. And so I was 30, you know, and I got offered this really good job. It was like, okay, do I want to go take this nice civilian job or do I want to get my commission and go fly? And so I chose this route. And so I deactivated myself in the Air Force. So I did two years active reserves, two years inactive reserves. Um, so went to Richmond, took the job there, was doing that. Um, and then I've always been training people, you know, mentally cognitive fitness training kind of on the side, working with athletes and, you know, special operations folks and high performing people. Um, and then my goal was to bring that, that training approach to other, you know, more normal people, right? Like, how can I get this to people that aren't necessarily upper echelon and athletes, you know? And so I did my doctorate at VCU, Virginia Commonwealth, and I did my doctorate in educational leadership because I've always been a teacher and a coach and an educator. And the doctorate's what really let me learn how to kind of take my knowledge and training and package it into a curriculum and a course that could be, you know, uh, implemented within organizations and institutions in a measurable, scalable manner. And so that's that's kind of what I did and um, launched the first company, Boost Mental Toughness and Leadership, about eight years ago. Ran that for about five years, sold that, and then started My Steady Mind about three years ago. Okay. <clears throat> so My Steady Mind is relatively new at three years old, but it's it's kind of rebranded from before it was boost above right yeah it's, yeah yeah it's a bigger better version of boost really yeah you know yeah and that's good yeah learn go ahead no, i was gonna say and uh i mean i have affinity towards it that's like uh part of how we started working together you know uh as a i was yeah. and this is where this, this whole thing came i mean just cognitive fitness coaches in the name and of the podcast comes from my work with my steady mind so um, yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's a great program, obviously <laughs> working there and, yeah. and, and, and bringing it to people, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. And I think it's really just so like needed nowadays. I mean, from the pandemic and, you know, and just rural climate alone, like the rates of depression and anxiety are skyrocketing. And, and I think folks really yeah. need this type of stuff. Right. And that was, you know, that that's what I, I love to see, you know, is, is people like yourself out there, you know spreading the word, helping more people understand, you know, what cognitive fitness is, you know, what proactive mental health training is and how to do it. And, you know, when I've been doing it, you know, for a long time and, and it wasn't something that people talked about or really knew anything about. And it took the, really the pandemic to kind of shake the whole world up, say, you know, Hey, like, we have to think differently about this mental health. We have to come up with different unique approaches. And that's when, the country and our country and all the rest of the world started talking more about proactive ways to address mental health, you know? And so when I teach and I talk, you know, when you look at mental health, the mental health landscape, just like physical health, there's two pillars, right? There's, there's mental illness and then there's other, you know, there's mental health and on mental health, there's a treatment side and a training side, just like physical health, right? If I break my arm, you know, I need treatment but I work out and I exercise proactively so that, you know, I'm, I'm healthy and I don't have injuries. Well, in mental health in our country, you know, in the United States, especially nobody has ever really had access or awareness of mental health training, the proactive side. You know, we talk about mental health in our country and everybody just hears the, the illness and thinks treatment, brokenness, that's the stigma. That's where it comes from. 
And so that's always been my approach is to tell people like, Hey, look, and that's what sports psychology does. If you look at all the, and you're familiar with this, with your training and education, right? There's all the psychologies that most people know, clinical counseling, behavioral, those all focus more on the illness and treatment side. They're very critical. I mean, they're important for sure, right? The only disciplines of psychology that focus on the proactive side are sports psychology and positive psychology. And you need both, right? Um, people need both as an individual. You need mental health treatment options and you need tool, uh, training options. And so that's what I wanted to do with my study mind was, you know, put together a, a training program and course to teach people how to train proactively to improve mental health and, and performance. You know, our, our program is a performance training tool. Um, so, yeah. And then just, you know, educate more people, get people like yourself that are passionate about there out, out there doing it, you know, and carrying the mission and spreading the word and just helping more and more people learn about cognitive fitness and training proactively. Yeah. People are desperate. The world's need, world needs it. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it, it almost feels like a, a for, like it feels foreign concept. Like how do I train myself mentally? Like what, what are the things I need to be doing? Cause most people can relate to like, okay, got it. Like I need to go to the gym. I need to watch what I eat. I need to get on the treadmill every now and again, or I'm going to get this, uh, this big belly and, or I'm going to, I'm going to have a heart attack or, or whatever it may be. But mm-hmm. for mental fitness, many folks are like, like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> what can I do? Yeah. Like, but be proactive right. in my mental fitness. So, I mean, do you have any like tips of, of what someone might be able to apply like today to start doing that, that could help them uh, with their mental fitness? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can provide some tips. Cause that's what, you know, my goal is to teach people the, the tools and the tips and the techniques, right. To proactively train and what you're learning to do really in, um, cognitive fitness and mental health training is you're, you're learning to use techniques and tactics to control the two things that control everything in your life, your thoughts and your breath. Right. And that's what most people, you know, out there don't have any awareness or control over either. And, you know, so their thoughts are just all over the place all the time. And it's, you know, very negative and loud and noisy and self-talk and all that. And that's where that's the unsteady mind, right? That's what leads to burnout, emotional exhaustion, and, and it's not usually not people's fault. It's just we live in a world and a society where we're bombarded with stimulus and notification and noise. And so, um, you know, people's thoughts are just all over the place. And then when your thoughts are all over the place, your thoughts control your mind, your breath controls your nervous system, then your breathing is very shallow and rapid. Right. And so people aren't good breathers. And so when you breathe very shallow and rapid through your mouth, you're just you're in sympathetic state all day, you know, fight or flight. And that's how most people just live, you know, and that's exhausting. That's I've been there. Right. And so with tips and techniques like breathing techniques, which we'll, we'll teach here in a second. Right. Biohacking techniques, visualizations, affirmations. Those are things you can start to, to do so that you can gain control over your thoughts and breath. You know, and we'll teach, you know, the BAMO breath here in a minute. That'll be a good technique that we can, you know, teach people to instantly learn how to you know, calm down in the moment. Yeah. There's certainly no shortage of stimulus in the world. Right. And, uh, that stimulus coming in and then, uh, these mm-hmm. thoughts are bouncing all over the place. And with those thoughts, all my, my emotions are all over the place. And then, and then that leads to, uh, possibly, uh, 
less than helpful actions. <laughs> we'll say that that maybe right. I, right. I suppress these things or, you know, or I avoid things like, or like, I can't figure out like why I feel like, like crap all the time. Why am I getting sick all the time? Why do I like wake up some days and just want to stay in bed and cry? Or, or why do I have such right. like anxiety that I can't leave the house, you know? And, and all this comes back yeah. to, as you talked about that nervous system being in this, sympathetic state of flight, flight, freeze. Um, and you, you, you nailed it, man. Like we operate in that state and may not even be, just be oblivious to it. Like we've been, this is yeah. like been this way for so long. And then maybe the company we keep people all around us are also in this state. So we think it's normal. And with, I didn't, yeah. like, I'm speaking from experience here. Like I didn't even realize like oh, how yeah. screwed up I was until uh-huh. I went to like my first mindfulness meditation class. I remember leaving there and being like, wow, like, I don't know what the hell just happened, but I haven't felt this relaxed in probably 10 right. years. You know? So right. yeah. yeah. I also think it's amazing. Um, like I didn't know why it, like it didn't occur to me earlier. It was just like in the last couple of years that I came to realize that, my nervous system doesn't know the difference between like past and future thoughts. Like that was like a light bulb moment for me where it's just like, no, it's just reacting to what it feels is a threat. And I can actually make myself physically sick from my thoughts, especially like my anxious thoughts Uh into the future or my ruminating depressive thoughts into the past. I was just like, wow, like (laughs) me and the nervous system's not smart enough to know that like this isn't actually happening. It's like, no, no, it's under attack yeah. based on your thoughts. So, right. And that's, you know, that's what is so empowering when people start to practice this is because they, most people out there, I'm sure some of your listeners that are in that, right. Feeling, dealing with that stress and that anxiety is like, they don't think they think they're just screwed up. Like I'm, I'm doomed, right. This is just who I am, how I'm going to be forever. You know, and you start to learn, you know, when you get into some of this and you practice it, like, no, that's not the case. You you got control over that brain. You can slow things down. You can change your thoughts. You can, you know, you can do whatever you want. It's going to take training. It takes a little work, right? Just like if my my body's out of shape, you know, I can't just read a book about exercise. I can't talk to, I got to go pick up the weights and do it. So cognitive fitness training is the same way. But, you know, everybody's brain out there is pretty deconditioned, you know, because of the world we live in with just, unrelenting notifications and news and alerts and negative, you know, stimulus and, you know, just disaster this. And it's just, you know, so it's exhausting and you're right, the brain. And that's a lot of what we do at my steady mind, right? With the first two modules, we, we talk about the science of cognitive fitness because we want people to understand how your brain works. You know, um, the two biggest problems with mental health is the first problem is just simply that our brains have not evolved at the rate society and technology has, like not even close, right? And and our brains cannot remotely keep track and keep pace of the stimulus that we bring into our lives. That's the first problem, right? The second problem is we as individuals think that our brain should, and we think everybody else does, you know? So we think everybody else is just operating awesome. They're waking up, kicking ass in the morning. They're perfectly dialed in, focused, present, but not me. I'm over here, you know, and it's like, no, every single person in our country right now is feeling the same thing. So you're not alone in it. Um, But once you start to train and you learn, especially, which we'll probably talk a little bit about the STIA process, right? Stimulus, thought, emotion, action, your brain and body, they're beautifully designed, but they're very simple, you know, 
And everything comes down to literally it's our nervous system and our nervous system. You know, we have sympathetic, which is fight or flight or freeze or fawn, right? Parasympathetic, the parachute, that's rest or digest. And as humans, we are supposed to be in parasympathetic state, rest and digest. 98% of our life, we're supposed to be in parasympathetic, you know, and we're, that sympathetic nervous system is has one function to keep us from dying. That's it. That's its sole function. And it's only supposed to be activated when we are in imminent danger. That's it. Now, how do we live in our country? We do it completely backwards. <laughs> you know, right. we, we're in sympathetic state 98% of our life. Um, we're rarely in parasympathetic. And it's simply because people are perceiving all the stimulus around them as threats. Right. Right. Yeah. If I, if I read a bad, that's it. Once my brain, once I label a stimulus as bad or as a threat, then the sympathetic nervous system engages. Your brain doesn't know that you're threatened by a kid screaming in the back car or a bad email. All it thinks is there's rattlesnakes on your lap and you're about to die. And so, you know, we have to learn how to, you know, get a better relationship and, and create space to change our perception of stimulus. And yeah. that's where the training comes in. Yeah. And that's so, as you talked about the stimulus and the STIA process, you know, which was the stimulus creates thoughts, thoughts create emotions or energy in motion, which creates action. Right. Right. And from that action, that behavioral action, it's either going to be some type of maybe um, we, we fight, we flight, we freeze, we, we isolate, whatever the action may be. But here's the cool thing. And here's like a little bit of the secret in the sauce is that we can reverse that. We can go the other way so we can take action right. We can demonstrate some of that action right now, which may lead to yeah. more helpful emotions maybe better, better thoughts, which is not even going to change the stimulus. Like the stimulus is still the kid screaming in the back of the car, but what changes may be our perception of the stimulus. So would you want to take this? Yeah. And and, I mean, that's what I, you know, I'm a, you know, single dad with three kids, three boys, like you said, I have a nine-year-old, seven-year-old, five-year-old and you know, a great example of what that STIA process, you know, looks like in action is just that. Like what we're learning to do is, you know, stimulus, thought, emotion, action. That's how neural pathways form in all human brains. And that's all our brain is trying to do every day, you know, is uh, um, pathways. And because it's about the action. And so let's use the kids in the back, right? If my kids, if I'm driving, you know, in my minivan, which I'm in right now, right? If I'm driving in my, my dad ride and then the kids in the back start getting after it and screaming and fighting like they do because they're three boys, right? That's a stimulus. And as I'm driving, they're, they're doing their thing. That stimulus is creating thoughts. And my normal thought is probably, oh my God, I wish these kids would shut the hell up. Like, God, what are you, know? And so, but if I, if I'm untrained or I'm unaware, that's the stimulus. And my thoughts are, these kids are pissing me off. So my emotion is anger or frustration. And then my action is I turn around and I'm like, would you shut the fuck up? Or, or I smack something or I throw something or I do some kind of reactive thing, right? That, that you know, now the kids are like, ah. And I'm not saying there's not a time and a place for that. Sometimes you do have to light your kids up. But this is about probability, not perfection, you know? So instead, what I do is if I'm driving and the kids start acting up, right? That's a stimulus. 
my initial thought might be, God, I wish they'd shut up, but this is where I create the space and the gap. So instead of just turning around and reacting, I take a deep breath, take a bamo breath or something. I'm creating space between that stimulus and my thought. And now with that space, I can change my thoughts and I'll say something like, you know, in my head or whatever, I'm grateful to have kids. Like how lucky am I that I've got kids in the back of this car? You know, and I'm thinking that. So now my thoughts are more positive. My emotions are more positive. And my, and my action is I turn around and I'll just, you know, say, Hey guys, can you keep it down please? Right. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that applies to, you know, that work email, right? I get a work email that is bad from my supervisor, right? And my initial thoughts can be, oh my God, he hates me. And then I'm just beating that I fire off an email back that sucks or I punch a wall or I yell at a colleague or whatever, right? Instead, I get that email and I read it and yeah, it's bad. It's not good, but I can create space, take a breath, and then I can see the uh, opportunity in it, right? What is yeah. the good in this, the opportunity in this email? What can I take away or do? And what it does is it gets me to feeling more empowered and less vulnerable. Absolutely. And that's what we're trying Everybody out there feels very vulnerable every day, all day. And that's exhausting. Yeah. And from that vulnerability comes, as you were saying, that sympathetic nervous system, that fight, flight, freeze or fawn response. Yeah. Because what is vulnerability? Many times vulnerability feels like I'm not safe. It feels like, as you're saying, the world's a threat. Right. Like, you know, so. And that's why everybody's so exhausted and tired yeah. and worn out. You know, it's 10 in the morning and I, 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 I've got to go to worry. And I, I'm right. just already spent, like exhausted. Well, you've been in survival mode for three hours already. Right. And that's why a guy like me has, I, I, I'm not to get too braggadocious here, but I, I have a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. It's quarter to six in the morning here and I'm just starting my day and I'm like, I'll be going like a, the Energizer bunny right. until probably eight, nine right. o'clock tonight and then get my seven to nine hours of sleep and start over and do it all over again with this great right. throughout the yeah. day because I'm not yeah. being exhausted by um, stimulus coming in that it just doesn't feel like a threat. So, but we, right. we mentioned BAMO probably three or four times now, but we never explained yeah. exactly what that is. So can you take us through yeah. what BAMO is? Yeah. Yeah. So in, you know, in, in our training and what we do is again, we're teaching people thought techniques and breath techniques. And so the BAMO breath is, it's really kind of our war cry, you know, at my steady mind and the, and BAMO means breathe and move on. And so we talked about people really aren't good breathers in our country. You know, most people breathe very rapid through their mouth, very shallow, you know, in the chest, they're not breathing deep enough down to get into the diaphragm and hit that vagus nerve and activate the parasympathetic. And so the BAMO breath is the easiest and the fastest breath technique to flip the switch on the parasympathetic, right? To give you that little break and, 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 and have the sympathetic nervous system kind of shut down and um, get some peace. And so we'll do one here in a second, but it means breathe and move on. And it's a four second inhalation through the nose counting and the counting's important, right? One, two, three, because if I got a lot of scary negative thoughts and self-talk going on in my head and I thank BAMO and then I take that inhalation and I count, counting shuts off the other noise, right? So you can't do both. And so the counting helps me stay on task with my breath, but it also quiets all that noise. So it's inhalation for four seconds through the nose and then opening up the mouth and exhale out of the mouth for four seconds right? And really pushing that oxygen out. And you have to go for four seconds because you have to get deep enough down into the, you know, like I said, the lungs to hit the diaphragm 
to flip the switch on the parasympathetic. So yeah. I'll, I'll kind of walk you through a BAMO breath, you know, yeah, let's walk, let's, let's walk ourselves through it. And I, and I, I'll yeah. tell you, I know the listeners can't see me cause this is, this comes out as audio, but um, uh, the way I like to do it is I put a hand up on my chest and I put another hand down on my <laughs> belly. So hopefully I can hear, I can feel my belly expand, really try to pull the air down into the belly, but go ahead, Dr. Seth, lead us in a BAMO breath. Yep. All right. So if you're able, you know, close your eyes if people are driving, obviously don't, but close your eyes and just go ahead and get comfortable. And what I tell people to do when I do this is that they may or be, may be stressed or not stressed right now, but when we're inhaling, we're activating the sympathetic nervous system. So when we inhale, we can kind of feel ourselves getting a little bit tight. When I open up and I exhale, exhalation, I'm activating the parasympathetic. And so I want people to see if when they exhale, they can feel that parasympathetic engaging it feels like little water kind of dribbling down your body that's your parasympathetic engaging so i just tell people to see if they can feel that as they do the breaths so all right we'll sit get comfortable and i'll count you through one and then we'll do two on our own all right so let's close our eyes and inhale through the nose two three four open up the mouth and really push it out exhale two three four, do two more on your own. And I should hear that air come out on the exhale. Very nice. And, and so BAMO is also a call to action. Breathe and move on, right? So I don't want you just sitting there breathing. I want you to move on, get back into the task, get back into the fight, get back into the game, get back into your time with your kids, right? So BAMO is a breath technique and a call to action. Um, and and it, it works like crazy. I know <clears throat> I know some people have that tattooed on them too, huh? <laughs> BAMO. Uh, some, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I can see. Well, it. I guess you can't, but it, can't I was just kind of po- poking a little bit at Dr. Seth. He's got Bamo on the inside of his arm there. And I know from being a yeah. tattooed, heavily tattooed dude that uh, it hurts getting tattoos there on the inside of your arm like that. Oh, man, yeah. I got soul in my armpit. That really hurt. Yeah, yeah. yeah me too. Yeah, Mine goes, yeah, this, yeah, on my left arm, it goes all the way down into my armpit. That was uh, – Oh, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We've had, I think there's five people now that have got BAMO tattooed on them somewhere over the years that we've been training people. I mean, it, that simple technique can transform your day, your life, your month. And, you know, and, and it's just te- teaching people, you know, how to take that breath, sure. why we take that breath. And then if you sit around and I, I tell people, like, don't just say BAMO for when kind of the shit's hitting the fan and you're getting stress, stressed. Like, that's good for that. But, with breath work, you want to practice breathing about two minutes a day. So when you got 30 seconds, just sit there and take, you know, four or five BAMO breaths, you know, intentionally and deliberately because you're reconditioning, you know, your breath and your nervous system to eventually get to where every breath you take is a BAMO breath. But, yeah, you know, practice. Yeah, being proactive and practicing it is definitely key to get those, I think, those those pathways built and such, too, so that, as you said, when shit hits the fan, you go to it. So it's like anything, you know, <clears throat> I can relate it back to, like, my military experiences, you know. We didn't, we didn't train during the battle, <laughs> you know what I mean? All the training and shit has been done prior to, 
You know, you don't like, oh, are you going to practice? You going to baseball practice? No, no, I'm not going. I'm going to practice during the game on Sunday. It's like, no, dude, you need to practice. (laughs) So so it comes with this mental health, this mental health training that we're doing. And and, and simple is good, too. I like simple, man. Like, it's just. Oh, keep, yeah. it, keep it simple and 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 do it. And some and it's hard to remember to do it. I I tell people to like habit stack it. You know, like like after you get done, I'm quite sure just about everybody listening probably brushes their teeth at least once a day. So <laughs> when you brush your teeth, yeah. sit down and like do you know five minutes of bamo breath or two minutes of bamo breath or whatever it might whatever. Yeah, it might I anchor it to something. Yeah, exactly. build on yeah, yeah. breath, right? Send an email, like you know, just like you said, it's it's the cool thing about mental training is, you know, unlike physical training, if people are out of shape physically and we want to get them the de- you know conditioned, man, it's an hour a day at the gym, five days a week, and I might not notice any benefits for two months. Well, mental training because our brain grows through pathways as opposed to our biceps with hypertrophy, you get results a lot faster. You know, so mental training, you get results a lot quicker. But it's about, like you said, being consistent and creating the routines because you're literally rewiring your brain, you know, through neuroplasticity. And so you just you have to practice it, you know. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I never I never thought of that. And it's also like, as you said, you don't need to go to the gym and you don't need all this fancy equipment. Like you can just be mentally training yourself right. throughout the day, you know, and right. and and people will be oblivious to it other than, you know, probably a couple of weeks into it, they'll maybe start to notice a change in you that like hey, something's going on. Right. Well, and it. that's, you know, my, that's, you know, that's what this training, you know, is the secret skill set to elite performance, you know, and that's when every athlete, when I, I talk about, you know, I'm a performance coach and I've worked with teams and athletes and I'm a, and when you're talking about elite performance or optimum performance, there's three ways you can train a human being. You can train them physically, technically, and mentally, right? And so all your listeners or anybody else out there, athletes, you can ask them, like, you know, how do you train physically? That's your lifting, your running, you know, that's the physical exercises that you do. And then technical training, that's the mechanics of your sport, your footwork, whatever the mechanics is. Or if you're an accountant, it's the mechanics of your job, right? There's physical training, technical training, and then there's mental training. and ask people how they train mentally and if they can't answer it then they're not remotely close to tapping into their true potential you know right. mental training what most people think is the physical training is the mental training that's not the way it works right one of my favorite sayings when i was coaching athletes a thousand push-ups doesn't protect a fragile mind you know you have to learn how to train mentally it's a whole separate thing and so um you need all three components but most people most athletes out there know that the mental training is the differentiator. You know, the mental training is what allows you to win when you shouldn't, you know, and, and that's, and they never talk about it because like I said, it's the secret. They don't want you to know how they do it or what they're doing, but now it's becoming more mainstream and and athletes are finally starting to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen some clips, you know, like LeBron James or something, you know, and he's on the, on the sidelines and he's, he's getting his, uh, his meditation in and then he's going out and crushing it. And I know like, um, the late Kobe Bryant too, was big into it. Like, like you said, like everybody that you, I, I like, if I research him hard enough, you know, the, the top elite performers have some type they of, all meditation. Yeah. 
training. Right. Yeah, and that's what sure. I tell people, like, especially in, you know, I mean, I, I'm like, it's not, I'm not guessing if it works. This isn't my opinion. I'm not hoping it works. This is the way it works. You either do it or you don't, you know, and that's up to, it, it's up to the people, right? It's, it's like, you know, if, you know, so, it, but the cool thing is anybody can do it. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's not that difficult. And the results are quick, but you just, yeah, you have to do it. And what most people are doing out there that are trying to develop or grow or heal or a lot of the stuff is we, we're conditioned to stream and consume, right? Like I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm swimming in a sea of information, right? I'm listening to 10 podcasts. I'm reading eight books. I'm watching 15 YouTube videos a day. And I'm just swimming in a sea of information, fingers crossed that something sticks, you know? Something yeah. will stick and change my life. You know, if I just consume enough content, that's not, that's, it's good. You do that's, but that's a lot of awareness with no direct application. And so what we teach is training, you know, there's streaming, consuming and training and training's a different ball game. And, uh, most people out there. And again, in the military, you talk about you and I, again, the military is the number one training and development organization in the world. And all we do is train mentally, physically, and technically, proactively every day. Because we have to be prepared to be calm in the ultimate chaos. You know, yeah. fighting in a war. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a lot of people that you haven't served in the military, you know, that, you know, training is a, a foreign concept to them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I... I... Yeah, I, I'm getting that nowadays, you know, as, a, as I've been out a couple of years and I'm like, whoa, you know, like <laughs> there's some similarities in the civilian world. But for the most part, yeah, you're right there. It seems to be very reactive and, and uh, just, as you said, hope like maybe diving into some self-help books and listening to a bunch of podcasts or what have you and watching some YouTube and hoping something sticks. Yeah, yeah. and that's not and I tell people I don't say that, to you know, make people feel bad if they're doing that stuff like that. That stuff's good. There is, I've done it. I've been there, but you have to understand like training is what's going to get you over that hump. And we, in our, in our, if in our country, and this is, you know, my doctorate's in educational leadership, the sad North American United States, the sad truth is, you know, we educate our citizens in a public school system that's designed to perpetuate that reactivity. You know, we don't educate people how to do things proactively, especially with when it comes to mental health. Because there's no money in healthy, independent thinking people. We don't so, want critical thinkers. We don't want critical. No. <laughs> we yeah. want obedient servants. Go to work. That's, <laughs> that's what our school systems are designed to do. Our school systems are designed to eliminate divergent thinking. Yeah. You know, everybody's a convergent thinker. IQ, right? Standardized test, and the yeah. byproduct is learned helplessness. Oh my. God. Yeah, that, that, we go, we're going deep that, down the. We're starting to go down the rabbit hole now. This is great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, but I, I I talk a lot about that out there because I, I don't want listeners sometimes to feel like they're not doing. It's like I tell people all the time, like it's probably not your fault that you're struggling with a lot of things. It's yeah. probably not your fault. It is your fault if you stay that way. Right. It may not be your fault that you got that way, but if you listen to this and you listen to what we're talking about and you don't decide to do anything about it then that's on you, <laughs> you right know? yeah because there is yeah now that you have the knowledge you know that like hey there's there there's a solution simple solutions out there and and yeah it's up to you now yeah to 
take the initiative yeah. to, to either get mentally fit and and or get healthy or, just, or not. Yeah, it's you know, I mean, it's just like physical fitness, right? It's you know, if I want to have good physical health and good physical energy, I can't just read books about working out. I can't listen to podcasts about working out. I can't watch videos. I got to take my ass to the gym and pick up that yeah. barbell and curl it. And a lot of people just you know, they're not going to do it because it's hard and it's difficult. And, you know, so it's like, all right, well, but mental training, again, it doesn't take a lot of work and time and energy. The benefits yeah. are a lot faster. You have to yeah. do something. Yeah. You, I'm I'm kind of giggling. I'm thinking that uh, I, I was sharing before we hit record on this, that I had just joined a local gym and boy, it's a, it's quite the state of the world I'm living in. Cause you go to the gym nowadays and I don't know if anyone else has this experience, but everyone's on their, their smart devices in the gym. I saw like they like one person was there the other day. They brought like an iPad in. They're just sitting on this machine that I want to use all the time, like watching YouTube. Like, what did you come to the gym for? What are you doing? Get, you know, osmosis, I guess. You know, I just if I just walk in here, I'll get fit. You know, it's yeah, it doesn't work that like, yeah, many people are like 12 TikToks deep between sets, you know, and they might do like three or four sets. And they're looking at me like I'm the lunatic because I'm the one that's like actually like working out and sweating and I'm getting my pump yeah, on. Right. Oh, man, that's, we're living in a... It's a disconnect. It, it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's a, yeah, there's a big disconnect, you know, and people have just been conditioned, you know, to... I mean, I talk about stimulus again, right? Stimulus, like that stimulus on this, on the social media and TikTok, that's so powerful. You know, it's like a drug. They can't not stop doing it, you know? And it's designed to be like that. Yeah. It's like a, a rat in a, in a Skinner cage, just like pushing the lever, pushing the lever, pushing yeah. the lever, you know? Right. And right. Um, as I've known from, well, some of the audiobooks I listen to, but we push that lever, we push that lever, we push that lever down on the dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. That thing has got to come back the other way to, to even out and get some homeostasis. And that's where you may be like, geez, why do I feel like crap? It's like, well, maybe you've been binge watching TikTok for five days and now your body's coming back the other way and you're all out of dopamine, right. you know? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, man. Really good stuff, dude. I appreciate you coming on. Um, we're, we're getting uh, close to an hour in. Um, I've gone back and forth on this one, but I, I, I end the podcast um, with a with what I call the billboard question. Sometimes I, I pose the <laughs> billboard question to two guests like prior to and give them like a chance to like prepare. And then sometimes I shotgun them. And I think I'm shotgunning oh, like you right now with it. I, I like the shotgun. <laughs> Okay, so the billboard question is, is you have a billboard and and this billboard can say anything you want on it. It can be a quote from you. It can be a quote from somebody else. It can even just be a picture or whatever this billboard uh, can have on it. You're, you're open. You have artistic freedom with this billboard, right? And this billboard is going to be seen by millions, if not billions of people. What would that billboard say? Famo. Bam. Bam. <laughs> Literally, yeah. my life, right? And that is to teach people BAMO. People need to learn how to take a deep breath and move on. And if we can teach a thousand people, a hundred people on your podcast, if we can teach them BAMO and what it means and how to do it, that little thing, you know, people think they need all these different solutions. And I'm like, no, learn BAMO, practice BAMO, and watch what it will do to your life. Just watch. 
right? And so that's, you know, one of my favorite quotes. If I had a big billboard, it would would be the Ralph Waldo Emerson quote, right? Which is the one about, you know, you know, to, you know, when the respect of intelligent people to, you know, um, you know, create a garden patch, do better good for society. But the end of it is basically where he says, you know, what is success? And he says, you know, if you can help one life breathe easier because you lived, then you have succeeded. And that was the what my mom raised me on all the time, right? If you can help, if you can make one person breathe easier, be, then you've succeeded. And that's what my whole business is built around, teaching people how to breathe easier. And that's what BAMO does. So BAMO would be my billboard. Brother, I, I, fuck, I love it, man. That, that was awesome. I'm going to find I'm going to find that Emerson yep. quote. I'm going to get that thing printed out today yep. and hang it in my office because yep. uh, that resonates yep. with so uh, where, if people want to yeah, find out more about you, Dr. Seth, and find out more about My Steady Mind, where, where can we get that information? Are you on uh, social media? or uh, All the social media. I mean, my, again, I'm, I'm, we have social media. I don't do a whole lot on it. I'm probably LinkedIn is <laughs> probably the thing I'm actually most active on, you know, LinkedIn. Um, but uh, MySteadyMind.com. Um, say, you know, I think if you just Google Seth Hickerson, you'll see plenty of things out there that you can kind of connect and and read and follow and all that good stuff. But yeah, you can share contact info, you know, set that my steady mind. If people are interested in the training, they can reach out to you. You know, you obviously you're, yeah. you're trained up and tied in it and a coach. And so, um, but yeah, I just uh, encourage people to reach out, practice that BAMO breath. Awesome. And, um, I'll get all that. Get yeah, I'll get all that in the show notes too. So if folks are listening to this and and they're trying to write it down and they missed it, just scroll down and it'll be sitting right there. <laughs> Click a hyperlink. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Awesome. Hey man, it's really good talking to you. Thanks for taking the time again. Uh drive safe on your way home and uh or wherever you're going. Maybe you're not going home. I know you don't have the kids right now, so <laughs> I haven't, I'm gonna, I haven't figured out what yet, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go do something. So <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Cool. All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope that you found it informative and entertaining. As you may know, podcasts rely on support of their listeners to grow and reach a wider audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us improve and let others know what to expect when they tune in. Plus, it helps us reach new listeners who might not have found us otherwise. So if you're a fan of this podcast, please take a moment to show your support by leaving a rating or review. We appreciate it, and we thank you for your continued support. Peace and be well.